Hello, my name's Maria Watton. This is the Seeing Stories podcast. And we're going to be listening to stories, thinking about stories, fictional, traditional, societal. Um, And the reason why I'm so interested in stories is because I am a storyteller, a traditional storyteller. So I have lots of uh, myths and folk tales and fairy tales in my head that were given to me, passed down to me. Um, And I tell them, I go to theatres, libraries, all kinds of community settings and tell these ancient tales. I'm also a fiction writer and I write plays too. So story is very important to me. And for this episode of Seeing Stories podcast, we're going to be thinking about legacy. When I was a child, my dad and my grandma, that's my mum's mother, told me stories And so they passed on this legacy of stories to me that I suppose changed my life because these stories formed who I became and what I've done within my adult life. Um, my, My dad actually was a plasterer and he worked on building sites all his life. But because there were... Um, eight children in my family and at night my mum went out and worked in the biscuit factory it would have been my dad who put us to bed and he was the one who told us stories and I didn't realise that he was telling us actually Irish mythology or Irish fairy stories that sparked something within me his voice in that darkened room, which I shared, by the way, with my six sisters. Yeah, there were seven of us in that bedroom, three bunk beds and a single bed. (laughs) And my dad would stand at the door and tell us stories. It opened up my imagination. For me, those stories took the roof off our house allowed me to see into the sky. Listening to his voice, I was able to see those stories. And as a storyteller, I've told many of the stories my dad told me and my grandmother told me. And I've also been gifted stories by other people, people that I've met on community projects, other storytellers. And I feel that when someone gifts you a story, um, maybe says to you, oh, please tell this again. It's a real treasure. And there have been quite a few people who've gifted me stories, obviously, besides my grandmother and my father. So people like uh, John Rowe, for example, who I've known for about 20 years. Uh, We worked together quite a long time ago and sometimes John would just turn up at our house, you know, late at night and we'd 
end up having a cup of tea together and I'd cook something and we'd just tell each other stories and share stories together. And I've been very fortunate to have other storyteller friends who I've been able to share stories with and who have, I feel, trusted me with their stories. Um, in 2004, um, I was mentored by Jan Blake and I asked Jan if I could tell one of her stories. Um, Jan's stories, generally, I just feel like I wouldn't touch because she tells them so brilliantly, so well. Um, and I tend to tell from my own cultural traditions, which are Irish and English stories. Um, but it's great when someone else gives you a tale to tell. And certainly when I'm in schools or in community settings, I will encourage children particularly, in fact anyone, to tell some of the stories that I've been telling them so they can share them with their families because that's, for me, is what it is all about. Hearing these stories, entertaining each other, and perhaps even gleaning some of the wisdom and truths from within those stories. No legacy is so rich as honesty. That was Shakespeare, by the way. I'd like to say that I knew that off the top of my head. I think I probably read it on the side of a mug or something, or a T-shirt, I don't know. But there is something about being very honest and truthful in telling a story. I feel when I tell some of the stories my dad told me, like they are just so natural on my tongue. I understand what the stories are about. Um, and one of my favourite stories, actually, that my dad told me was um, a sheen in Tiananmen. And that's one of the Finn McCool stories. A sheen, of course, is his son. And at the end of that story, there's a beautiful part of that. And I'm going to ruin the ending for you here because it's when Oisin is dying and he's in the arms of St. Patrick. Certainly that's how my dad told the story. And Oisin whispers into Patrick's ears the stories of Finn McCool and the two of the Danon, all those ancient tales. And Patrick tells those stories to his monks and the monks tell them to the people and the people tell them to their children and when their children grow up they tell them to their children and when they grow up they tell them to their children until of course they came to the bedroom where my dad was standing in the doorway telling those stories to us. I was the daughter who remembered the stories and I'm able to tell them again. And this is probably exactly the right moment now to bring in someone that I would like to talk to exactly about this whole theme of legacy. And that person is my own daughter, <laughs> Maya. Um, are you there? Hello. Hi. Yes, Hi. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> oh, so nice to hear you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having my, me. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to talk to you because when you were a kid obviously 
I told you lots of stories, mm-hmm. like when I put you to bed and, and stuff like that. Can you remember that? Can you remember me telling you stories? Um, yeah, it's, I actually don't, I don't have like a vivid memory, memory of you, you know, sitting by my bed telling me stories orally. Um, <laughs> I don't, I know I don't have that kind of like vivid image in my head or anything, but I, I, um, I still feel like it's very much part of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And part I of my experience of growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think I remember a lot cool. of you telling, um, my school friends stories at various things and like my yeah, my yeah. peers I guess at the time I remember a lot of that yeah and trying yeah. not to butt in to ruin the ending <laughs> let me tell you you did <laughs> oh I know <laughs> I was truly the the worst kind of person to have in the audience absolutely not no here's the thing right two well actually two things one I think it's great that you can't remember the vivid <laughs> picture of it because it just because what actually what that means was it was just so normal to you it was just, it wasn't yeah, it was. anything yeah. that stood out and and the second thing there about you did you know like we'd go somewhere and I'd be telling stories and you you're absolutely right you'd quite often be agitated because I'd have got a bit sort of muddled or something in a story and you would know <laughs> the point was yeah you know, and also yeah. sometimes you would say to me hey, that wasn't well actually the ending is actually more like that because you knew they were in you you'd absorb the stories mm. and I never felt cross with you or anything I actually felt quite delighted because you were because you knew it and you knew what was and you were hearing it in your own head I think and wanting oh, yeah, to yeah. tell it in your way do you know what I mean yeah yeah I, I think, I think so. that oh well I think that's I think that's fantastic it clearly but, stayed with me hadn't it I'd massively yeah. absorbed those stories and retained them yeah yeah <laughs> But you know, sometimes my I, I I did kind of feel a bit strange, you know, because your the staff in your school would want me to come in, and I would come into all the classes, and obviously at some point I'd come into yours, mm. your classroom, you'd be there. I just wondered what it was like to for that, you know, when I would come in, um, and I was a storyteller, and sometimes kids would get quite excited, you know, about yeah. a storyteller coming. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I'd be enormously proud because I'd Aww. see everyone's excitement and go, "Well, yeah. that's my mum." <laughs> oh, that's nice because I was I, yeah. I was worried that I might make you cringe. Well, you know? no, I mean, also this is this is primary school age. You know, this is yeah, true. you know, up yeah. to yeah. about the age of eleven. Um, um, yeah, so I mean, there was there was that as well. But I don't think I don't think I would have been cringed out even if you came to our secondary school and did the same thing. Yeah, actually, I, I, I think, think so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I did go to your secondary school. I just remembered oh. I did. I was there on a project, and um, I remember working with. Well, I won't I won't mention their names, but some people mm. that you know. Yeah, but that sure. was more of a writing project actually, because the other thing is, of course, when I've often been asked to go into schools tell stories and because I write as well of course um you know it telling the stories is a brilliant way to light up the imagination and and actually this is something I really want to ask you that I've probably never asked you before because you are a musician and an artist Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if there was anything in the stories I told 
that did that lighting up for you? Do you think it's affected you as an artist in any way? Or not, yeah. by the way. Feel free to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it'd be impossible for me to um, separate the two, really, because it's all part of uh, my experience as a person mm. and as an artist. Um, and, you know, don't forget as well, like for a long time, I really wanted to be an illustrator and yes. um, illustrate yeah. stories, <laughs> illustrate books. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I, I really, I really agree with that. Um, what you just said there about uh, stories really fueling the imagination. Um, mm. I think ultimately it's stories that get us intrigued and excited and enticed with anything. Mm. Um, and I think as soon as there isn't, a story present um it becomes very difficult to stay with something i think humans are just oh. built to gravitate towards them um yeah. that might well, just be this... my experience but <laughs> in, it, it, I, I, I think that's really interesting because actually that i you're you did want to be an illustrator but you did your degree in drama you went and studied theater yeah and i'm just wondering if there was anything actually there um about because it's all storytelling yeah. yeah 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 I mean I'm just wondering whether there are any plays or theatre that you created that um you you have a vivid memory of and if any of the stories influenced anything that you did you know in terms of creating theatre or um I don't know mm. what do you think um so you're asking kind of if if any of those traditional stories myths legends kind of influenced um like directly influenced anything creative i did yeah i guess so yeah and and that includes staging or mm -hmm. lighting or how you used language i don't know mm. that's really difficult to answer because i don't i don't think i've consciously gone Oh, a sheen in tin and oak. I'm going to put this in. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've yeah. ever yeah. really consciously done that, but I'm constantly, I'd always draw parallels to things to help yeah. me understand yeah. uh, dramatic text um, or, or, or anything really, any kind of writing. Um, mm. I can't, I can't even remember what it was, but I, I remember coming back to like the changeling story. Um, yes. Yes, I know that was an analogy for for something at some point, yeah. <laughs> which all sounds very yeah. vague. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, there's, I think there's a lot of kind of modern um, stories, films, theatre that you know you can liken to the Changeling story. I think it's a bit of a classic. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, and also because you're a musician, I've always thought that your mm. lyrics are really uh, beautiful yeah. oh thanks <laughs> yeah I do I, they're very poetic so there's something around language yeah and being tuned into language I don't know definitely I, I personally find it really difficult to write songs if I don't have a very clear idea of what it is I'm writing about almost to the point where I'm writing a story and just giving you yeah. snapshots from that story that oh, that. I find I, yeah. I'd like you to say more about that that's <laughs> yeah. really interesting yeah yeah um if I yeah I think if I try and write something 
and I go, oh, okay, I'm going to write about the feeling of, I don't know, being frustrated or, uh, mm. you know, um, in my life with my job situation, let's say. Um, yeah. That's a really difficult place to start. But if I write as if I'm also giving almost giving you snapshots of a story about yeah. a person who lives with their mum and, you know, they've got a part-time job at, a, at the pub. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's literally yeah. off the top of my head. But um, that's a much easier way in to yeah. write about um, those themes than just sort of globally. So, so is that so you find a narrative then? Yes. To be able to yeah, I try your to, ideas? Yeah on or, or, yeah, exactly. or express yeah. your, your, your thoughts your your emotions through yeah would you yeah yeah, yeah. um that makes sense yeah it's just like it, it's like literally taking snapshots from an already formed story yes yeah that kind does of makes make it sense, easier yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's and obviously then, there's loads of songs that do that um like Eleanor Rigby just yes. off the top of my head it's yeah, a classic yeah. one yeah. Um, obviously, if you know John Lennon had started writing about loneliness as a concept, that might have been really mm-hmm. difficult. But yeah. because it's these, the story of all these characters with yeah. the shared experience of loneliness, it's so much easier to kind of uh, get into as an as a listener, but also as an artist as well. Yeah, because it's we invest in the character, don't we? You know, as the listener, we mm. want to know what happens to that character. We yeah. care about yeah. once once you've got a protagonist that you know you care about, um, you you'll go with that, won't you? You know, as yeah. the person who's uh, listening in. I was just thinking actually as well, and I'd kind of forgotten this, and it just bobbed into my mind. We also toured together, didn't we? We yep. did the we story did. of the Tempest. We did that. Uh, we did a show called Seven Sisters. We did. We uh, did. You've done it a few times. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was me telling mm-hmm. predominantly, wasn't it? And you creating the music. Yeah. Um, and create what I thought you did well. And I'd like you to talk a bit about this if you would like to, is that you created these kind of emotional uh, landscapes around my telling. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought you were really intuitive when you did that. Um, what is your process there? What do you do? Do you just listen to the words and then act instinctively, or I don't know? You, you well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, music. I, I. This might sound very kind of you know new age holistic, but <laughs> um, That's all right. I think music is like. Um, music is for me it's like the combination of some some kind of emotion that you're feeling and mm. magic. <laughs> it's just like um this um, this transcendental way to express emotion mm. uh, and you know I think there are I mean we all know songs that speak to us emotionally in a way that we couldn't even put into words yeah uh, the language so um when I was composing music for those shows, uh, mm. you made it really easy for me because um, you gave me the story and the emotion, <laughs> the kind of the whole uh, everything on a plate. And then it was just down to me to 
um, translate that into the the language of of music as much as I could. <laughs> you know uh, what you did. I remember when we were making the Tempest, and particularly you and I used to have these discussions about the characters, talking mm-hmm. about Prospero, talking about Miranda, and so on, and. I remember, for me, it felt anyway, like through those discussions, we kind of really got to the heart of the story. Mm. And there were times when we were performing that, I almost felt like the music you created felt like you just put this kind of magic into (laughs) the room and people were utterly mesmerised. By that and and that meant yeah. that actually took the pressure away from me because it gives it space you, to breathe, right? Yeah, it, it gives it space to breathe, and you articulated something that I couldn't with words. Yeah, that's it. That's totally it. Um, so that combination, I think, of your um, instinctive ability with music is another way of storytelling. Sure. Um, I, I completely agree. Also, I, I wouldn't say it's instinctive. Uh, sometimes okay. you get lucky and it and, you know, it kind yeah. of comes quite quickly, but it can take a while to find the right, uh, the f- right flavours, the right chords, the right sound, the right instrument, whatever that um, yeah. that fits. Um, and that's obviously a kind of intuitive thing. It's not. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's not binary. It just it just feels right, or it doesn't. <laughs> it can take yeah. a while to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. it does. I feel like music really amplifies emotion as well. Yeah, um, yeah. it always already exists in, in the stories that you tell. Um, yeah. But with with the right kind of music, and you can utilize silence as well. Silence can be incredibly powerful. Yes. It doesn't have to be yes. with noise constantly. Um, yeah. But if you use it well enough um, at the right times, it can really amplify feeling of of uh, the story yeah yes um there was something else that actually that I wanted to ask you this I'm going to ask you a really difficult question now. Oh, okay <laughs> so, uh, you know I was given I feel like I was given a cultural legacy from my dad and my grandma. So I've got that kind of, although I was brought up in Liverpool and I've got that heritage, if you like, I've also got this Irish heritage and um, because I was told all the, the these wonderful stories that are specifically from Ireland. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you feel like you have be, you've got a legacy of any of that through mm. our family. Told yeah. you it was a hard question. <laughs> just... um, yeah, I've always felt that connection. I don't know whether it's just, you know, if you if you grow up in England and you know that you have some kind of other <laughs> um, mm. ancestry, uh, yeah. that ancestry becomes becomes almost exotic by default mm. um, yeah. because it's other, but it's also part of you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny saying Ireland's exotic, but, <laughs> but um, you know what I mean? Um, so I always, always felt like a little bit of that. Um, yeah, and I think mm. it was interesting that, uh, you know, obviously I've played piano for yeah. years. Um, yeah, yeah. But then we came across a harp, like a Celtic lap yeah. harp, which is like about half the size yeah. of a concert harp. 
yeah. maybe even a bit smaller and it literally sits in your lap and yes. um uh it felt very natural going from you know horizontal horizontal keyboard to vertical strings um <laughs> just well, the same I mean, notes I... just on a different axis that, that, um, was, that was funny though Maya wasn't it was it, funny yeah yeah we oh, went to yeah. that woman's house who was selling that harp and I tried to have a go um your friend Camille tried to have a go and we were absolutely it was just like I mean it was lovely because the sound of a harp is oh, nice yeah, when yeah. you just plink the, the the you know the strings and you picked it up and you just started to play it and we all kind of stopped like hang on she's making music out of this thing that she's never played before <laughs> and I remember actually it was when my mum was alive going back to her and saying was there anyone mum who played the harp in our family or like my dad's yeah, family because yeah. it, it it seemed quite uh natural to you yeah um i obviously i i can't and that that might be making too much of it but certainly um there was a moment there where i just thought i wonder i wonder you know i know it's funny isn't it um i mean genuinely i mean it when i say like going from piano to harp really wasn't that difficult because just because of the fact that they are the same notes (laughs) laid out the same way just vertically um However, I I do believe in the combination of nature and nurture. Yes. Um, I do think the vast majority of my nature is creative. And I think that comes from you, (laughs) who is also an enormously, enormously creative person. Um, You know, and I think, yeah, I think that's that's channeled through. It must have because it's just Mm. it feels like too much of a coincidence. Yeah that we've you know we've all got these like I don't know (laughs) yeah well I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a final question now on this theme of legacy and again it's it's not gonna be an easy one (laughs) I'm just wondering what you would like your legacy to be (laughs) oh that is a hard question because you know what I don't (sighs) mean I don't mean like you know like when we talk about legacy people might immediately think, oh, you know, what are you going to leave behind once you died? I don't necessarily mean that because, I mean, when I'm working on community projects or or whatever, when I leave that project, I hope to leave, yeah, yeah, I I, want to leave a legacy behind of something that they're doing differently now because I have... Um, worked with them and hopefully maybe might have inspired them to do something a bit differently or whatever so I just mean in in your life now what kind of little bits of legacy do you want to leave around you as you move through your life kind of thing so you mean kind of what 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 do I what do I want to leave with other people almost yeah yes yeah 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 Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, that could be creatively or it could be kind of spiritually. Yeah. Emotionally, perhaps, is a, is perhaps a better way of describing it. Mm. Yeah, that's hard. Um, how do you put that into, into words? Um, do you want to I mean, write, draw? Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know whether I, I want my quote-unquote legacy to be creative or just human. Um, 
and about the human experience and um I, th- I guess I quite whenever I've done gigs where I've talked about being an artist usually yeah. to a room the majority of are artists <laughs> yeah um and I've I've wanted to talk about what's difficult and you know the fact that like for for a lot of people in my generation but especially artists you know that compare and despair of looking at other people online and going yeah. oh well they they're doing this and they're doing that and and actually you know you're only seeing a snippet mm-hmm. um that someone's yeah. carefully curated for you to see to get the impression that you know they're they're doing wonderfully but actually there could be all sorts going on for them and uh, you know that whole um narrative mm-hmm. I talk about stuff like that because I want other people to know that they're not on their own because it's really mm-hmm. easy to feel like the I'm the only one experiencing this um and struggling with this when actually everyone is they're just not talking about it they're not showcasing it um in their digital selves and you know things like that I want to talk more about this the experience of being creative yeah does that sort of answer that question I don't know um but that's something I care about a lot so yes so yeah it does answer it (laughs) Um, and, and certainly, I mean, it's quite a difficult question to answer because if I think about that myself, oh, you mm. know, what what legacies do I want to um, leave? I, I think for for me, I always, wherever you know, because I'm in so many different places uh, when we're not on lockdown or in isolation, um, yeah, um, is that I want always to leave behind a feeling of gentleness. Mm. Um, because I think, like you've just said, you've just described, there's a lot of anxiety in the world, isn't there? Yeah. Particularly um, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and certainly, even prior to the coronavirus, yeah. there was, there's a lot of anxiety on, you know, social media type mm. of, you know, this new technological world. So for me, stories are very soothing and often... Children particularly will say to me, Miss, you've just hypnotized me. And, yeah. I'm like, and I just laugh because actually all that's happened is they've become so absorbed by the story that their body has relaxed. You know, yeah. once I was yeah. I was at a university and I was telling a story and this girl fell off her chair. She literally <laughs> slid off her chair. Oh my god. She it she she was and she said later, by the way, they had to call an ambulance. I'm not joking. Simply all that had happened was she'd gone into a state of really deep relaxation. Wow. <laughs> Honestly, that is true. Wow. Maybe yeah. maybe you should go to spas <laughs> and tell people stories while they're getting massages. Well, well you know, I don't see why not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I think it's probably time to finish now. Uh, love before ball. before we finish, yeah, can I can I ask you a question? <laughs> well, you can, yeah. Okay, <laughs> you sound so skeptical. Mm, yeah, no, it's not that. I'm just worried that I might not be able to answer it. But oh no, you will. Don't worry. Um, you uh, what? At what time in your life did you feel like ah, this is this is what I need to do? I need to be a storyteller because it's quite a niche. Um, artistic discipline isn't it you know it's not something widely known by the general population so kind of yeah when did you come across it and when did you go ah yes this is for me well 
I would say um, when I was really little, not being a storyteller, but definitely I knew, I knew when I was really quite small that I was going to be something creative. I knew that. Yeah. Absolutely. Innately. Yeah. Mm. Great. <laughs> and then it was when I was an adult and I was working with groups at Ingastry Hall, which was a residential art centre. And I just started telling those stories that my dad and grandma had told me. And it snowballed from there, really, because I was actually teaching drama and I was creating theatre with young people Mm. and I remember a guy from education authority said to me will you come and talk to my um teachers about this storytelling and I thought oh yeah I am story I'm telling stories that's what I was doing I was telling those traditional stories ah in the same sense that you would be now yes except that what I was using the stories to try and get them to think more creatively and create a piece of drama, give them something, you know, so they didn't have to invent mm. from scratch, yeah. especially for the groups that didn't, you know, what found it difficult to come up with ideas mm. um, that sparked their imaginations. Yeah. And so that, yeah, it was, it was there really that I began on a road. It's a bit like that. What the poem is, it is the, it, the Robert Frost poem, you know, that, that, the the two roads and which one do I take Mm, yeah it was it was that really and I went down that other road the road less traveled I guess and ultimately I think when you're a a traditional storyteller it's not the big glamorous life that you might have if you're a theatre director well you know high up theatre director or you know on on working in film or something perhaps uh, because it's a very poor relation of all the art storytelling. People in this country don't really get it. They don't really no. understand. It. I think they've lost touch with it a bit. No. Um, yeah. You know, like when we went to Ireland and people, when you were talking to people. and, and Yeah, exactly. And, I was just thinking of that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and like people said, why, why are you here? And you go, oh, my mum's a storyteller. And they go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas you know, in England, I think we've kind of lost touch with that a bit about traditional yeah. stories. I'd always get when I go, oh, my mum's a storyteller, they go, oh, so does she take books into schools and read to children? I was yeah. just like, what? No. <laughs> no. The stories were in my head. Yeah. 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 No, tongue. that's that's the level of understanding I, I'm generally met with. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And people don't really understand the skill that's involved um all the effort research when you're creating a, a you know a, a two-hour piece um to tour you know yeah. um but I'm, I'm, I'm you know it's it's delightful and enjoyable but I think you're right I think the um a lot of people believe that it is just reading and and actually you know what reading out of a book is quite difficult to make that really fantastically exciting is not an easy thing so when you've also got have it in your head and you're improvising and you're not doing it from a script and you're relating to the audience you are juggling a lot of fine skills there Mm. um although having said all of that 
I believe what the storyteller does is just do justice to the story. It's the story that leads you. Yeah. It's not about you, the yeah. storyteller. You are just the conduit for the yeah, story. Exactly. Kind of thing, you know. Um Wow. Thanks for talking to me, Maya. It's been it's been really interesting. <laughs> and um yeah, I'm going to round up now by saying thanks very much, Maya. Thanks to James Langley for setting up the <laughs> podcast and being the technician. Cheers, James. And yeah, cheers, James. And see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.